0: Welcome to the InRest Podcast with Noah James Weeb. I'm your host, Noah, and today we are talking about joy. We're talking about joy as, yes, a theme in Scripture, yes, as theology in our society, but also joy as something that can be received in our union with Jesus. I have here with me Merrill Green, Dr. Merrill Green, and really, I'm really thankful to have him to be an interviewee today. Welcome, Meryl. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. So glad to have you. I didn't know that was your middle name. James? Nah, yeah. I have no idea. Do I look like a James you, middle name guy? I don't know. I'd have to pray about it. Okay, pray about that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um, tell me about you. Tell us about your background, how you've started following Jesus, how long you followed Jesus, where you went to school, all those things.
1: Okay. Uh, well, I grew up in the church. My parents were nice Baptists, so they brought me to church every oh, Sunday yes. since I was born. Uh, and when I was a teenager, I made a, a, a pr- under-pressure profession of faith, I would say, okay, um, that was definitely not genuine. But I still mm. was always interested in theology and the Bible, and I you know, went to church and youth group and all that stuff. Um, I was very much interested in God, but I didn't have a meaningful relationship with Him. Um, after high school, I ended up going to a pretty conservative Bible school um, while I was there. Um, I it was one of those places where you couldn't ask a lot of questions it was it was uh and i felt like i was being stifled to a certain point and i was like there must be more to god than all of this um and after i ended up leaving there i ended up going to crandall university and uh, through some of my friends um I got connected with a pastor who ended up leading me to the Lord when I was 21, and I've uh, been following faithfully ever since. So,
0: wow, yeah,
1: that's so cool. Yeah. So you have the title doctor at the beginning of your name. Oh yeah, I just find that really
0: cool. Um, <laughs> Not necessarily because it makes you better than other people, although that is some ways that people understand that. <laughs> um, tell me about the journey to get from getting your bachelor's degree at Crandall University in mm-hmm. New Brunswick, to having
1: a PhD. Yeah. Um, well, the funny thing is, is that I really don't like academia, and I had a very difficult time thinking that this was going to be the path that I would take. So when I was finishing my undergraduate degree, um, I thought I was going to go into ministry. Uh, the Lord had spoken to me saying that I was going to work with First Nations people and work with the poor with the Salvation Army. So I was like, yeah, for sure, this is, this is what I'm doing. And while I was praying, um, the Lord just spoke to me and said, I want you to do a master's degree. So I applied to the school that he told me to apply to, and I got accepted, and I went, and I spent two years doing that. And then afterwards, I was, I was certain, I was like, the Lord is definitely calling me to ministry. And so um, this, these guys from my church invited me to a men's retreat um, in Quebec in the middle of the woods. And so I had applied before that to have a job working as a youth pastor at a Salvation Army church. Um, and the interview went really well and I was planning on you know that was going to be where I was going in the future and while I was in Quebec after the interview um, they were trying to get in contact with me but there was no cell phone reception <laughs> and so I couldn't get the call and while I was there um, the Lord's like I want you to do a PhD Wow And I was just like oh I'd really rather not <laughs> so when I got back um, to Ontario they finally got a hold of me and they're like do you want this job like we thought you'd be good for it and I was like no, I'm going back to school. So then I went through all of that, and uh, I just finally finished my PhD in the spring of this year. Wow, so, yeah. that is
0: exciting. Yeah. So good to have that burden off your shoulder probably. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's really cool. Tell me about something that has given you deep joy.
1: Hmm. I think that the thing that's given me the greatest joy after i got saved i mean i before i used to have this idea that god was very distant mm. um, and then when i ended up get becoming a christian when i was twenty one i was very involved in a more charismatic stream of christianity um... and i saw the spirit moving and in such tiny ways um, in amazing huge ways too but it was amazing to me not always the big spectacular things but the little things that we cared about that it just made me think like he knows us so deeply and he knows us so intimately. The things that get on our get on our nerves or the things that get on our, that would frustrate us or the things that would give us panic or anxiety. And he's just in the background a lot of the times just working those things out. And um, I think of a really interesting example. Um, when I was, I was supposed to be traveling home for Christmas um, I told this story in a church one time, and they were like, what in the world? <laughs> but it's, it's a funny story. Um, I was going to uh, get a, a cab to go to the airport to um, to fly home. Sure. And the night before this was happening, um, the Lord spoke to me in, in the middle of the night, like at midnight, and was like, I need you to make banana bread. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> Why do I need to make banana bread? He's like, you, you just need to. And you need to bring it to your friend Michael. And I'm like, Michael it was one of my friends um, from... From my PhD program. Um, We weren't that close or anything at the time, but I was just like, okay, Lord, so I got everything out. I made the banana bread. I went to bed. I got up early. I went to class and I gave him the banana bread and we got to talking. He's like, well, like, what are you doing for the holidays? I was like, oh, I'm going home today and la, 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 la. And he's like, oh, well, I'll drive you to the airport. And I was like, okay, that's great. I was just going to take a cab. So we got to the airport and I go into the Tim Hortons in the airport to buy a coffee and I tap my debit and it's declined. I was like, what is going on? So I look at my bank account and I don't know how this is possible. But I had like negative $2,000 in my account. Whoa. So, and then I got to thinking, I was like, man, I couldn't have paid the $50 for the cab fare to get here. And God could have told me why I was making banana bread, but he's too good for that. He likes to, he likes to, uh, suspend to the disbelief to a certain extent and make us think like, he likes to ask us to do things that are not naturally Logical and that gave me great joy because I was like there's I'm a very curious person and I I like that there is an endless Creativity and an endless investigation into what God's like Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think that um, Curiosity that God has like given me gives me joy. Okay. I love that. (laughs) That is so cool
0: Yeah, I found that uh, in different devotional readings. I've done if anyone listens to the, if you're a listener of this podcast, you would know, I quote Oswald Chambers every day of my <laughs> life. Okay. Anyway, Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest. He talked about how the longer that you are a disciple of Jesus and the more you grow in maturity, the more that it will be true that the only reason you can provide for the seemingly odd behavior that you act out is obedience. Mm. And uh, he also says in other places joy is the fruit of obedience mm. you know um, I think it's also cool to live out our wiring and the things that God gives us in one sense in our wiring and our programming and our personality of who we are deep within us there's this way of when we actually just live that that we're okay with being as he made us to be mm-hmm. living the life he intended us to live even if it doesn't necessarily look like someone else's life it kind of seems odd to a church in rural New Brunswick in Canada <laughs> somewhere that Dr. Merrill Green or almost Dr. Merrill Green is making banana bread for his classmate Michael for some odd reason. <laughs> but it's okay and good, in fact, not just permission, but approval that almost Dr. Merrill Green <laughs> would do something like that because that's what God wanted him to do. Mm. And if God calls you to do something, listener, that it's okay, not just that you have permission, but you have approval from God to live that out and to be that and to receive joy in it. Tell me about joy from a scriptural perspective. Because I know that when Oswald says joy is the fruit of obedience, where he's getting that is probably John 15. But joy is throughout the scripture. I mean, it's talked about in the hebrew scriptures in the old testament in the new testament talked about in celebrations and feasting and ritual holidays and all kinds of different environments and settings but tell me about joy as a theme in scripture
1: Mm. yeah i often like think of joy in as a parallel to adventure um in that a lot of times when you're when you're on an adventure you're in the moment and you're excited about everything that's happening even the things you don't understand or um or the things that might seem burdensome you know when you come back from that um from a long travel or something you can think of the awful things that happen but the highlights always you know kind of peek up right um and i always think of the disciples you know once when they're persecuted in the book of acts it mm. says they rejoiced because they were like worthy to be persecuted in the name of the lord mm. right um the opposite of an adventure and the opposite of joy is anxiety right? Mm. And that comes from not living in the moment. And Mm. and if you're on an adventure, you're supposed to be living in the moment. Present. Right. Be present. And I think that you can't be experiencing joy if you're not in the present because you're either, if you're worrying about the past or worrying about the future, right, how can you experience joy? Because those are things that God says not to do. Mm. Uh, Right? And so like, the whole, I mean, if we read through the Sermon on the Mount, Mm. um, do not be anxious about what you eat or what you wear or all these different things, right? Mm. You're, how can you be joyful if you're worrying about oh am I going to look good during this presentation? Mm-hmm. How can you be joyful if you're worrying like oh do I have enough money to buy food this week? Mm-hmm. Right, and it's so funny because when I work with the poor and the homeless, they're 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 so joyful all the time because and especially the Christians homeless because they're always like yeah like God does provide right. Jesus says not to worry about these things because when you don't worry about them, you get to actually experience what God's doing. Wow. Right? And then you are more likely, like, that builds your faith. Totally. Right? Joy and building your faith are, like, they go hand in hand. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Do you find that one feeds the other?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, the thing is, like, we go through hardships um, and, you know... We always talk about how like, joy isn't happiness and happy They're not the same thing or whatever. Right. Um, although I will say that um, if you are joyful but you're never happy, there's probably something wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, a bunch of joyful Christians, but they're all like, eh, I don't know. Um, that, that's always one thing that worries me. I, I, try, I, I preach that in a lot of churches, and people look at me and right they're like, we should be happy? I don't know. I don't know about that. Um. <laughs> yeah,
0: because you, there's almost a sense of when you're apathetic, mm-hmm. and nothing matters. Yeah. How could you possibly be present to what God is up to? And partner with him in that work right which then bears the fruit like joy is still the byproduct but yeah. if you and and that sense of happiness and that sense of fulfillment that comes from living that way that's if that's not present then what you wonder and are maybe even concerned of is are we actually present to what God is doing are we
1: partnering with him are we obedient to what he's saying mm-hmm. yeah well the thing is like God made us to work like we're built mm-hmm. to do work and and to have rest like, apathy, the people who are apathetic don't have joy because that's not how God intended us to be humans. Right? Like, people find joy from the fruit of their labors, right? Like, God provides us the bodies and energy to do that, Yeah. but, like, he knows it's good for us, mm-hmm. you know? Like, Adam and Eve were supposed to tend the garden. It wasn't going to be super burdensome, but they weren't supposed to just lay around on clouds and just, you know. Um, there's a time to rest and enjoy God in leisure, but there's also a time to experience what, like, all of God has made humans to be wow that is so cool
0: I think it's cool that work can be something that gives us joy just as much as rest could and can and should i the the podcast is called the in rest podcast because there's a sense of bringing that rest into the work that you're doing like you said it's not that Adam and Eve were doing a super burdensome slave job they were working in union with God doing the thing that they were made to do and then at night they would rest mm-hmm. and that that rest and that sense of peace in right relationship with God was brought into the work that they were doing. It brought a sense of delight to the things they were doing even if some of it wasn't glamorous or fabulous. I mean, they're taking, I don't even know if they had tools, I don't know what they did to (laughs) tend to the garden. Um, But you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So tell me about one example from the Old Testament that would give us a little bit of dimension for understanding joy Mm. as a theme in scripture.
1: Right. Um. I I often think of Hannah, Mm. um, you know, because she's barren; she can't have children, and she just is crying out to the Lord. Um, You know, Eli thinks that she's drunk because she's so overcome by this desire for, and then pleading with God. Um, And God gives her a child, Mm. and she is willing to give the child away. Yeah. Right. Because. Um, Samuel ends up staying at the at the um, The at the temple or the tabernacle or whatever yeah Yeah. Um, and joy when you have joy and you're living in the present it's okay to give up the things that um, you thought would bring you joy right she thought that just the child would bring her joy but actually I think the joy that she experienced was that um, God listens to his children and like fulfills promises Right. And after you have. Right. We're, we, people love getting gifts. Right. Sure. Of course. And God gives us good gifts. Right. But the gift isn't what matters. Right. It's the giver. And I think Hannah understood that. Yeah. Right. She was given a gift. But then she was also given the gift of an experience with God. And so, you know, and then in the New Testament, I mean, Mary, when she when she sings out through the Holy Spirit about the birth of Jesus and things like that, um, you know, a lot of it's taken from that story of Hannah. Right, huh. and being given a gift like that, and so I think that um, sacrifice and joy like go hand in hand, huh. like all the time, right? Because like Jesus is willing to sacrifice himself; he doesn't want to when he's in the garden, right? But not my will, but yours be done. You know, he he gives up himself, and it's a great joy, mm. and like that is unfathomable to the world; it doesn't make sense, yeah. but in God's economy, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So the more you give up, I think the more joyful you can be. <laughs> mm. It's almost
0: like the the giving on our part, like Jesus said, it's more blessed or happy to give than to receive. Mm-hmm. Right. There's more. There's more joy that comes from the offering than from the receiving yeah. of something, circumstantially. But then you talked about like Hebrews chapter twelve, where it says, "For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross." So there's a sense of for the joy set before him. There's a sense of looking ahead, and there's a joy that comes in the hope of something. Mm-hmm. And the, But the offering in it does bring with it a level of joy, even if the circumstances surrounding that joy are relatively dark and unjoyful, if that's yeah. a word. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was also interesting when you brought up at the book of Acts and how the disciples rejoiced when they were suffering because they thought, wow, God— believed us fit to suffer in his name. That's mm-hmm. crazy. And they, so they're rejoicing that God thinks so much of them, right? There's a sense of God loves us so much, and he's, he's developed us and matured us to the point where he knows that we don't need to have everything work out in our favor for us to, to praise his name. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And so there's a deep joy that comes from that maturity that they had. But I thought it was also interesting where you're talking about sacrifice. Sacrifice and joy— there's a there's a there's a parallel and a correlation between the two and maybe even possibly a causation where you have the giving or the offering of something or the sacrificing or the or the giving up of something resulting in joy because in the in the past the sacrificial system in place for the Old Testament in the Old Testament for worshiping God for having right relationship with him was all about offering there is literally continual offerings being done all the time But there is a a sense of joy and fulfillment that came into that because they were in right relationship with God as a result of obeying that. Mm -hmm. But then later, we're told, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your true and proper worship. I don't know about you, but practically speaking, I find so much joy when I worship Jesus. When I get on my knees and I say, God, you are god and i am not and i'm so happy to be here <laughs> you know because of what jesus has done and on the basis of all that with jesus as the worship leader i am led into the presence of god and there's joy in this presence like there's that sense of sacrificing and offering and sacrificing and offering but not in the sense of bulls and goats and rams and and sheep and whatever but now today we're told to give an offering of praise, right? a sacrifice of praise. Mm. But in both examples, whether it's in the Psalms or it's in the New Testament when the disciples are praising God in the midst of their suffering, like in Philippians chapter 2, for example, one of these early examples of a Christian hymn from the early church is written in the context of Paul being in prison. Mm-hmm. But those offerings of worship and adoration and of sacrifice and of giving up and of offering result in joy. Mm-hmm. That is so cool. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you for laying that all out. That's really, really <laughs> awesome. Um, do you have any response to that at all?
1: Uh, well, no, something else just came to mind. I remember yeah. visiting one um, a pastor friend of mine, and mm-hmm. she had a painting in her house. Um, she painted it. And I think it was a quote from C.S. Lewis, and it says, Today I will choose joy. Mm-hmm. And I, that frustrated me really? when I first read it, because I was just like, You can't choose joy. But then I, when I was, I was reading 1 Corinthians 13, and it said... You know, even if I give up my body to the flames, mm-hmm. you know, if I give up myself to be martyred, but I don't have love, then it's nothing. And I was like, you have to choose why you suffer, and you have to choose why you do a certain thing in order for there to be the intended effect, right? If you do things, if you sacrifice, but it's not for a if you don't internally, you know, pe- people offered sacrifices all the time in the in in the Old Testament, and the prophets were like, I don't want your bulls, I don't want your goats, I don't want this, I want your heart, right? right. Um, because you can do all the outward things, you can do what seems good, you know, sacrificing yourself for someone else might seem like the righteous thing to do, but there might not be any love behind it, right? Right. Um, and the same thing is true of joy. You know, people are always wondering, like, well, how come I'm never happy? How come I'm never experiencing this joy? And it's just like, well, what are your intentions? What are you trying to experience? What are your, you know, are you trying to do this for you? Are you trying to do it for God? Are you trying to, you know, how, how me focused is this? Wow. You know what I mean? Um, and so I thought about that for a long time. And I was, that that quote, you know, today I choose joy. And I was like, that is so necessary. Yes. Right? Because some people don't want to be happy. <laughs> right. True. That's the thing. Like some, if you think of like church culture and stuff, you know, you all have, you have sometimes these people who are like always, you know, bickering and saying like, oh, I wish the pastor did this instead of that and all this stuff. Um, But they'll never leave. Yeah. They never want to actually improve things. They just want things to be miser- as miserable for everybody else. Yeah. Or they want everyone to bend to their will. Right. So that they can be happy. Right. And that's not where joy comes from. Joy doesn't come from controlling other people. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. You know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Having this sense that God is in control brings us a sense of joy in my mind because you know that that thing, whatever you're trusting God with, and you truly are trusting him with it, it's going to get taken care of. It's funny when you said that about some people don't want to be happy. I think that sometimes we think, why wouldn't you? I was literally having a conversation about this yesterday with my supervisor and she was talking about how why would you not why would you choose to live a life of scarcity rather than abundance why would you do that it seems to make no sense at all because it's not really rational to live that way right but I think that when we have pride in our life or a relentless self-orientation that says that life is all about me and I'm self-sufficient, right? The sense of self-sufficiency that says I can control not only my life, but the <laughs> lives of my neighbors as well. Uh, that That is so irrational
1: mm-hmm.
0: when you look at it for all it is. And when I look at pride in my own life, I'm like, why am I being so ridiculous? But when we shift out of that motive of self-orientation, the motives that are associated with self-orientation, I suppose, getting out of that self-centered approach to looking at life as a whole. Then we get into that other scope of love, which from its very core, agape love in the Scripture, as we hear it and see it and understand it, is always self-offering. There's always a sense of love is a gift, that love isn't given because... Someone deserved it. We see it in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not boast. It is not, you know, all easily angered. It is not self-seeking. I love the way the NLT translates that because it says, instead of saying love is not self-seeking, it says love does not insist on its own own way. way. Isn't that so crazy? (laughs) But you notice that when you have some sort of self-seeking part of me, I will insist that things be my own way. Hmm. I did an episode, I'm not sure, guys, if you remember, a while back I did an episode about submission, and that by submitting to life as it is, reality as it is, life as it is, and God's way of doing things as they are, rather whether we like it or prefer it or not, that brings peace to us because there's a sense of focus and wholeness that comes from just letting go and letting God take control. But on the other on the flip side, being self-seeking refuses to let something else take control. It refuses to come under the initiative of another thing or another person. And even if it seems on the outside that they are doing that, they're doing that with somewhere within that they've rationalized it in their mind that they're doing it for their own good purpose. And that, oh, well, I always wanted them to do that. I'm not sure if you've ever had to deal with a narcissist before, listener. <laughs> but, but if you do, you'll, see, you'll notice that their approach to life is absolutely nonsensically self-seeking. And it looks like it's not, but it is. But a person who is so self-oriented cannot experience joy the way that God offers it in living the kind of love-oriented, giving-oriented, others-oriented, God-oriented, God-centered, Christocentric, etc. <laughs> kind of life. Um, so, you, yeah, you just really got me going on that, on that thought pattern because when I'm struggling with pride, choosing joy— is, the, is extremely difficult, mm. if not impossible. And God's like, hey, be happy. Aren't you content? You have the things that you've been praying for for such a long time. And I'm like, well, I can't because I have the blah, blah. <laughs> but but there, is, there is definitely something to be said to when we choose to receive love and live in love and live out the love of God in our life, that that will result in a life of joy Not as the point, but as the byproduct. But adversely, a life lived with a self-centered, from a self-centered place, insisting on its own way, being controlling in a negative sense. Although it looks really happy on the outside, Mm -hmm. the byproduct is a life of emptiness and hopelessness and anxiety. Yeah. Make sure you tune in to part two of this interview with Dr. Meryl Green. We get into some of our best discussion in the second part of this interview, so please don't miss it. You're going to want to tune in to this amazing conversation. It also gets a lot more fun, and we have a lot of laughs in this next part of the conversation, so make sure that you tune in to part two of this podcast interview with Dr. Meryl Green. If you are an InRest Podcast subscriber, thank you. Hey, leave a rating on Spotify or wherever else you're listening to this so that the word can get out to other people. Share this with somebody who you think will benefit from it. And uh, feel free to send us a DM as well, Uh, inrest.insta on Instagram. Facebook, it's just InRest Podcast uh, Facebook page. That's awesome. We'd love to hear from you and connect with you. Uh, this is on Spotify, but it's also on YouTube. But uh, we'd love to connect with you. We'd love to hear how God is moving in your lives and hear how to pray for you. Thank you for being a listener. Thank you for joining us today on the in Rest podcast.